Hi, listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, a podcast that is based in San Diego and hosted by me, Alina Trujillo, and my producer, Jose Fernandez. This is a podcast where I will be bringing you stories of murders, infamous cases, and unsolved mysteries. A one-time royal dresser for Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York, beat and stabbed Thomas Cressman after he refused to marry her. This is the story of Jane Andrews. Okay, Jose, so I've been obsessing with the Netflix show The Crown. And I know that the show has been out for a while, but I don't typically like to watch shows when they first come out and there's like this big hype around them. Why is that? Because you're so cool? (laughs) No, I just, I mean, I don't know. I just usually like, I like to wait until the hype comes down and see, you know, if it really is good. I just started watching it and I'm... I think barely in season two. So since I've been watching The Crown, I found this story of Jane Andrews and I thought that her story was really interesting. And I'm not sure if you know this, Jose, but May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I just felt that the story of Jane Andrews was perfect. So without further ado, let's jump right in. So Jean Andrews was the former dresser for Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York. Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Jean was born in Cleethorpes, Lincolnshire, and is the youngest of three children. Her father worked as a joiner and her mother was a social worker. And as a child, Jean was promising and intelligent and she was excelling in grammar school. But because of the family's debt, They moved to a small townhouse in the nearby seaport town of Grimsby, where she attended Hereford Secondary School. Hmm. So throughout her teenage years, Jane struggled with various problems, including depression, panic attacks, and she even suffered from an eating disorder. Sounds terrible. Yeah. So at the age of 15, she attempted to commit suicide by overdose. Oh, no. Yeah. At 15. So she was pretty young. young. Yeah. So she had attempted suicide because her mother had discovered that she had actually been truant from school. That's just not a good enough reason. Yeah, that's kind of. Yeah, that's what triggered Jane to, you know, try to commit suicide. So two years later, when she was 17 years old, she became pregnant and she ended up having an abortion, which she has stated was actually a very traumatizing experience for her, which. I'm sure it was. I mean, at 17 years old and having to go through an abortion, you know, that absolutely that must have been very tough. And if she was already like stressing out over truancy and mm-hmm. just to correct what I was said, right. what I was trying to say was that kids obviously like they can take something so small and make it so big just Especially because where at they're that at. Age. Yeah, at that mm-hmm. age. And then you're already suffering through depression, mm-hmm. panic attacks. Oh, I can't imagine. And then going to that, just what is a couple years later? Mm -hmm. That sounds awful. Yeah. So, but after this happened, Jane enrolled in a fashion course at the Grimsby College of Art and afterwards took a job designing children's clothes at Marks and Spencer, which is, you know, this higher end store. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So then when Jane was 21 years old, she answered an anonymous advertisement for a personal dresser, 
Okay. And six months later, she was interviewed by Sarah Ferguson herself. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. so cool. So she didn't even know it was going to be for no, the she, Duchess of York. No, <laughs> she had no idea. It was just an anonymous advertisement. And all it says is that they were looking for a personal dresser and she applied. Shows up for the interview and is Sarah Ferguson. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. I know, right? I always wondered like how people that worked inside, like, just based on watching The Crown, mm-hmm. okay, just how people actually got to work inside of like, you know, with the queen or whoever, you know. Yeah, what I, mean? I guess that's how they do it. Yeah. It's an anonymous because you know, can you imagine if you were to pose like, oh, the queen is looking for a dresser? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like you would get a lot of candidates that you know might not be that great for that type of job, right. but. So Jane ended up actually getting the job at Buckingham Palace as Sarah's dresser. And while working for Sarah Ferguson, Jane met Christopher Dunn Butler. Now, Christopher was 20 years older than Jane. Okay, so he Mm -hmm. was a bit older. And the couple ended up getting married and then divorced five years into their marriage. Okay. So Jane actually claimed that the pressures of her work actually led the couple to divorce but if you ask christopher according to him it was jane's multiple affairs Hmm. what actually ended up ending the marriage interesting yeah so following her divorce jane met dimitri horn and dimitri horn actually was the son of two very wealthy parents Hmm, interesting yeah so but that wouldn't last long either when the two broke up Jane actually ended up trashing the apartment that they shared and Jane just fell into a deep depression and she overdosed again, but survived without having to seek medical treatment. That's terrible. So this is kind of just following her. Yeah. Do you know if she was diagnosed with that when she was a kid or? No. I can imagine like a lot of these things get overlooked. It seemed to me that she never got treated for her depression or panic attacks to be honest, I don't, I can't say for sure, but for me, while doing the research, it just kind of seemed like nobody really thought anything about this, you know, or maybe if they did, it was very hush hush. Yeah. Um, maybe they just thought that she would outgrow it, you yeah. know, I, I'm not sure, but it seemed like maybe they didn't know. Yeah. I mean, pa- I guess that's, you know, the family. I mean, that's true. You can kind of think like as a parent that it could be a phase versus something serious. Right. And you know? and when I was doing my research, I did read that, you know, even the people that she worked with at Buckingham Palace didn't really even know that there was, you know, the side of her. Really? Because her persona was just completely different while at work. Mm-hmm. So during this time that she fell into this depression, it's alleged that the Duchess was actually having an affair with Tuscan aristocrat Count Gatto della Gerardesca, okay? And he supposedly also had feelings for Jane. Oh, man. Now, during my research, I did read that supposedly while Jane was working with Sarah Ferguson that apparently Jane started dressing like her and she had even dyed her hair just like Sarah Ferguson's hair. Hmm. So supposedly you know the duchess was having this affair and supposedly 
this man also had feelings for Jane. Now, shortly after this alleged fling, Jane was dismissed from her job as a Duchess of Royal Dresser. Okay. Is there a reason why? Well, some believe that this was the reason that led directly to Jane's termination, the affair and how, Mm. you know, he had feelings for Jane. Yeah. But officials at Buckingham Palace state that there's no truth in this and that her dismissal was a result of cuss cutting. Well, kind of think about it. I mean, if if that is true, then, you know, I'm sure that the alleged affair that the Duchess is having with this guy probably doesn't want to come out, right? Right. I mean, and if I've learned anything from the crown, it's cover, cover, cover. Cover it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I should also note that it has been alleged that Jane Andrews stole approximately... 250,000 pounds worth of jewelry from the Duchess suitcase back in 1995. No way. But okay, you're the math whiz. How much is that in dollars? Well, it's actually more. It's, I don't know, probably around $350,000 like today. Wow. So that's in a today's lot, money, yeah. A lot of money. Yeah. So, but this is all alleged, okay? But these allegations have never been proven. So Jane's job introduced her to, you know, higher status and a new circle of friends. And she was reportedly involved with several men whom she had met through work. Interesting. Okay. So this is all kind of like the lifestyle that this job had provided for her. Right. And then all of a sudden now she's been terminated. So it's all now being taken away from her. It's got to be like a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Now you're like. I don't want to say nobody, but technically I'm sure she felt like now she's nobody. Exactly. So her life with the Duchess would remain an obsession and she would endlessly tell family and friends of the hotels that she stayed in, the Grand Suites at the Four Seasons in New York. Wow. So yeah, now being deprived of the job she loved, Jean was soon on antidepressants and her golden brown hair once dyed red like how I said, how she was trying to imitate her boss, Mm -hmm. begin to fall out in clumps from all that stress. Oh, man, that's bad. Yes. So I read in articles that Jane was known to be a social climber. So her losing her job meant also losing the privilege to rub elbows with the rich and powerful people. Which may be probably more than the money that she was making. I'm sure that's probably more value to her than whatever her salary was. Mm -hmm. But all that changed in 1998. And I will tell you why after this commercial break. That was fantastic, Jose. You want to know what I just did? What'd you do? I just tried. I opened up and you don't get any. I opened up the new wine that I received. From Wine of the Month Club. So, do you, Jose, want to treat yourself or someone special to great wines month after month? I would love to. Well, now you can with Wine of the Month Club. With Wine of the Month Club, you get three different bottles of rare international wine every month. You get to choose from all red, all white, or mixed. You can also choose to do a package every two months or three months if that's a better option for you. And every package ships with their monthly newsletter covering your selections and our listener favorites. Fun facts! We are a proud affiliate, which means if you go to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com 
forward slash support the show and click on the Wine of the Club Month link and sign up. We will earn a commission. You can support the show and get wine delivered to your door by using promo code HOLIDAY15 to get $15 off any four-month club, or you can use promo code HOLIDAY20 for $20 off any six-month club, which sounds like a win-win to me. You get to stay home during this COVID-19 pandemic, quarantine by yourself, and your wines. And they ship free. What? Hey, Jose. So you know that during this pandemic, it could even be scary to go to the grocery store sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can save yourself that trip using Instacart. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. They find everything you usually buy. You can get smart suggestions for new items. They even pick the freshest produce and they keep your eggs safe too. We are a proud affiliate of Instacart. So head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show and click their link. So everything changed for Jane in 1998 on New Year's Eve when Jane met dashing millionaire's son, Tom Cressman. So now a millionaire. Now a millionaire. So before it was like some Greek millionaire or very wealthy family type right. of thing. I guess the social climber thing is kind of... That's what people thought of her, okay? So Tom was the ultimate eligible bachelor, and Tom ran a successful business selling car accessories, and mixed with the elite of London society, Tom Mm -hmm. was also known to be the playboy, but his status and group of friends would guarantee a place at the tables of the rich and famous for Jane to sit at. Hmm. Something that had been taken away from her when she lost her job. Right. So this is a perfect fill-in. Mm-hmm. So Jane ended up gaining employment at Claridge's Hotel in October 1999 as a PR manager. Hmm. But she was required to leave the job two months after she had gotten that job. Why? Because she was not qualified for the job. And it was apparently very obvious that she was not qualified for that job. Well, I guess a PR manager. Yeah. That's very (laughs) different from what she was doing before. Right. Right. (laughs) So losing her job once again, Jane had no option than to rely on her boyfriend, Tom, for financial assistance, which, Hmm. you know, it's usually a a mistake. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So in September of 2000, two years until their relationship, Tom and Jane went on vacation to Italy to visit Tom's family villa on the French Riviera. Wow, that sounds awesome. Doesn't it? I was like, (laughs) yes, sign me up. I know. (laughs) So according to my research, Jane was expecting Tom to propose. But instead, Tom told Jane he had no intention of marrying her. Huh. Yeah, which... I'm pretty sure that was pretty heartbreaking for her. I mean, it would be for any girl yeah. that thinks, oh, my boyfriend's about to propose in this, you know, fancy vacation. And he's like, I actually have no intention of marrying Yeah, you. I'm just living the life of leisure and you're coming along. Okay. Yeah, which could now at this point, I'm not saying she thought this, but I'm sure, you know, maybe a thought that went through her mind was now it can all be taken away from her because I'm he's has no intention of marrying me. I'm just a girlfriend. He can dump me whenever. Yeah. And then like PTSD of her losing her job mm-hmm. before and then losing everything again. It's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It'd be a trigger. So on September 17th, 2000, upon returning from vacation, the couple argued. And during this argument, Tom actually called police to say that somebody was going to get hurt. Oh, damn. 
Yeah, so the argument was pretty heated, but the police never actually showed up to the apartment. Why? Because I, I, I mean, I guess when you, I'm not sure. I, I guess when you call 911 or, you know, I'm sure you got this wealthy guy. Maybe they didn't take him seriously. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Maybe a little bit different over there and over here, I guess. Mm-hmm. But wow. Yeah, which unfortunately, that would be an unfortunate decision by the police because later that night, as Thomas Kresman laid in bed asleep, Jane Andrews actually hit him with a cricket bat and then stabbed him with a knife. Damn. So a cricket bat and then on top of that, stabbing him with a knife. Yes. Now, following this attack, Jane fled the scene, leaving Tom essentially to die. Wow. Yeah. Now, Jane contacted her ex-husband, Christopher Dunn Butler, shortly after killing Tom. Before. I'm not sure because I did my research and it said that shortly after she contacted Christopher, Mm -hmm. she then sent out messages to friends inquiring about Tom's whereabouts and well-being. Then she claimed to have no involvement in Tom's death and stated that he was being blackmailed. Okay. Yeah. So it's all these text messages that kind of don't make sense. Yeah. To me, it just seemed like maybe she contacted her ex-husband to kind of have an alibi or kind of try to, you know, hide things. But it almost mm-hmm. seems like everything was just so confusing as to what she was saying. Oh, yeah. A moment of panic. I'm not mm-hmm. knowing what to do. Right. Now, after this, nobody was able to track Jane for days until police in Cornwall found her overdosed in her car. No. Yeah. So oh, man. Once again, Jane survived the overdose, and after police questioned Jane Andrews, she ended up being arrested and charged with Thomas Cressman's murder. Wow. So then, on April 23, 2001, Jane went to trial, and she was described by prosecutors as, and I quote, the woman scorned. Hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Jane, however, testified in her own defense that Thomas had been abusive to her during their relationship. So Jane actually described Tom's sexual obsessions and claimed that he'd once broken her arm. So during trial, Jane also claimed she'd suffered sexual abuse during her childhood, which is what she claimed that led her to kill. Hmm. Okay. And again, nobody knew about any of this until one, she's sitting there in court testifying. Okay. After 12 hours of deliberation by the jury, Jane was convicted of murder and sentenced to serve a minimum of 12 years of a life sentence. Now, jurors rejected her claims that Thomas Kresman had raped her and that she woke to find him hitting her. That was her claim, Mm -hmm. that this was all self-defense. She was asleep next to him. She woke up to him hitting her, and that's why she hit him with the cricket bat and then stabbed him. Mm Mm-hmm. So, in November 2009, after serving nine years in custody, Jane actually escaped from the East Sutton Park Prison in Kent. She escaped the prison? She escaped. Oh, man. But, get this, three days later, she was captured in a hotel room with her family just six miles from the prison. It's not very far at all. It's (laughs) not. Man. Yeah, so, Jane was actually not charged with her escaping from prison she would just simply return back to jail so okay. nothing else was added to no her. nothing I mean, else was 12 added. years is not bad That's- right so 
Prior to Jane escaping from prison, she had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, and Jane was released on parole on June 19, 2015, after serving 14 years in jail. Hmm. And in 2018, Jane was actually put back in jail again after being accused of harassing a former lover. Huh. So apparently she was let out in parole and mm-hmm. then she violated the parole by harassing this person that she had been seen. Okay? Right. So she was released from prison again on August 8, 2019 and subsequently released in a bail hostel, which is kind of like a halfway house that is run by parole officers where they provide a curfew, among other things, while they're still serving their parole sentence. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of like a halfway house, which I don't know that we have those here in the States. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it might be something that's only over there. But, mm-hmm. you know, I just found her story so interesting. So she is already out. She has served her time. But, um, you know, I just found it so interesting because... Obviously, we will never know. Was she actually enduring? Was she actually in an abusive relationship with Thomas? Mm -hmm. We don't know because Thomas is no longer around. But even though if that was the case, is that necessarily does that give her the right to kill him? You know, it goes back to maybe, you know, it was self-defense, but it's something that we will never know. Or maybe, you know, if she would have been diagnosed earlier and treated and treat it for the borderline personality disorder, maybe none of this would have happened, you know? And like I said, I just thought her story was so fascinating and I just felt it was an important story to tell, especially in the month of May when it's mental health awareness, you know? It's important to get those diagnoses and get treated properly for them. Absolutely. it's There's nothing wrong with getting help and, you know, trying to help fix any mental issues you feel you may have Mm -hmm. or even friends and family like speak up agreed if you want to look at pictures and want more information on the cases we cover you can head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com you can also follow us on instagram at podcast true crime weekly and please don't forget to support the show by going to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show And I would truly love it and appreciate it if you leave a five-star review and subscribe onto Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. The only way that people find out about us is through subscribers and reviews. Thanks for listening.